Good to be in church on Wednesday night. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's um, open the scripture tonight. Second Corinthians again, chapter six, verse fifteen. I hope you don't mind me reading these scriptures here. I love these these scriptures in Corinthians. It's one of the clearest in the New Testament, actually, on separation as far as trying to establish the New Testament church and what real apostolic um, idea of separation was going to be. It was going to be somewhat different than the Old Testament. The New Testament concept of, of this type of separation was contact without defilement. Contact without defilement or contact without contamination. It's based on the theory of what our Lord Jesus said, that you are the salt of the earth. So how can salt cure anything without contact? Right? So if you have salt sitting right here and you have a piece of meat sitting right here, the meat will ruin if you don't pour the salt. Right? So it has to be on it, around it, near it to be able to do it. But yet the meat does not contaminate the salt. The salt is able to change the meat. A real child of God always keeps that before them because you're going to meet people. You even have to work with people that are not believers, that are not real Christians. And then how do you do that? You find that balance. And what many people wind up in trouble is they go to compromising themselves instead of letting the person they work with go to changing the way they are. While I'm trying to win them, I'm trying to, but how many of them are won by the other guy? Right? then they're not separated, they're contaminated. Well, we can go home. Praise the Lord. That was my main thought for tonight, so there it is. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Second Corinthians 6.15. <clears throat> what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. 
As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Let's read the meaning of this word again. To divide, sever, to mark off from others by boundaries. To limit, to separate, to exclude as disreputable, to a point set apart for some purpose. Now, in the mind, it's easier just to be like an Amish or a Mennonite or a Dunkard or something like that to where you live in your own little spot. You have your own currency, your own money. You all, we all dress in black, have buggies and horses and all that sort of thing. And we sell all of our goods to these worldly, ungodly people that come through and look at our cows and our green fields and all that sort of thing. And then we stay away from them. That's not what Jesus said at all. Jesus never told us one place in the New Testament to be weird. Being separate and being weird is not the same thing. You'll never find the scripture ever telling us to be odd. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. But we draw boundaries and we do, we are around them, but we don't let them contaminate us. Notice, and he goes on to say, And will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. My brother, sister, that's genuine Bible holiness. I mean, like to be remembered tonight in prayer before the Lord. Amen. Me too. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity, Father, that we can gather together again. How we love Wednesday night service, Father. I realize, Lord, because of a lot of people in the locations they are, many of our church folks in the message anymore just got down to one service a week or possibly two a week. Lord, I'm so grateful we're still able to have it three times a week. Lord, it's not that, I, that we would backslide if we didn't have it, but we all sure like to eat naturally more than twice a week. And Lord, I love being in fellowship. I love singing, worshiping, hearing your word, praising. I pray you just let us to be able to have it until you come, Lord, to be able to have it regularly. Because that's what the scripture tells us, to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And that much more as we see that day approaching. But Father, we don't want to just come and be here. But we want to be able to be partakers. We don't want to be spectators. But we want to be partakers of what you're doing. Worshippers, prayer warriors, doing everything we can. Speak to us tonight, Father, from your precious word. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. The Lord himself was the, of course, administrator of the new priesthood that was fixing to be brought in to the New Testament. Unlike the Pharisees, unlike the Sadducees, unlike the Levitical order, even unlike under the order of Nehemiah and Ezra, it was going to be a priesthood which was going to be so different. It would first start out being very much misunderstood. The people of the Pharisaic order would so look at him and consider him to be totally contaminated because Jesus actually hung around sinner people. Now, Jesus never allowed himself by any means to ever be contaminated by them and never be tainted by them, 
But by the view of the Pharisees, just being around them, he was tainted. Now remember, he was setting an example for the early church because every one of these guys were Jews. And they were taught, stay away from Gentiles, don't eat with Gentiles. They couldn't even sit down and eat a meal with you. They were not allowed by their order if they would go out in the market in the day and do all these things. They'd have to go home and wash plumb up to their elbow. Some of them would change their clothes just in case they touch one of you dogs on the way to the market or Walmart or wherever. And they did not want to sit down and eat in their meal. They might get some of your Gentile germs on their holy bread. So they changed their garments, washed plumb up to their elbows, and they had this sanctimonious, sanctified type of outfit about them. And you imagine the Lord Jesus coming, and He invited sinners to come in and eat, and sinners would invite Him, and He would actually go eat in sinners' houses? Now remember, He's training 12 men, and they're going to be given the gospel message. And they've got to have their view changed greatly because most of the apostles were actually of the Pharisaic understanding. Very, very strict. And a lot of it, most of it was tradition. It was not the Word of God at all. So the Lord Jesus is trying to breach the gap and help them to see the mystery which they'll only fully understand after they receive the Holy Ghost. And that is contact without contamination. Because in their perception, contact always, without doubt, led to contamination. Now, where they come to this was after their own fall of their forefathers over and over and over again. So what it drove many of them to do, after in the days of Ezra, after the days of Nehemiah, after the days of Solomon, after many of them, and once they come back from the Babylonian captivity, then many of them started getting this concept, look, there's only one way that we can become where we are not defiled, and that is have nothing to do with these people. Don't speak to them, don't shake their hand, don't get around them. And what did that concept lead to? It led to the extreme Phariseeism that the Lord Jesus had to deal with when he got there which was totally opposite of what the law wanted to project. The law wanted to bring the Jews themselves to a spot to where everything they did, and then they kept every bit of that law they could, and they still had to acknowledge there's no way we can be holy because this holy God demands so much as our best, we are still going to fall short of that. That's what a real true understanding of the Mosaic law would have introduced. But instead of it leading them to that, it led them to this up high and mighty attitude, looking down their nose at everybody else because they had developed this great holy this and that and the other. And it ain't no wonder the Lord Jesus rebuked them more than he did the Romans. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and called their names more than he did the Romans? The emperor of Rome, Jesus never made a direct accusation against him of saying he was faithless and this and that and the other. But the high priests and the great doctors of the law, he rebuked them over and over again. Can you imagine how that would go over? Well, we can have a pretty good idea. The Holy Ghost says the same thing to us in this day we're living. 
Now, but what does he want to do? He wants to change the mindset of these men so that they're going to go out now and they're going to be the fathers of the gospel. They're going to be the apostolic fathers that's going to introduce this message. They're going to struggle anyway with the Gentiles coming in. But if they go out trying to make all of the new Gentile believers of the Pharisaic or Sadducee or the Essene belief, they'll be no more than just a change from one ideology to another and they'll emphasize on do's and don'ts and don't go here and don't go there and don't do this and don't do that without a changed heart. Don't we believe in do's and don'ts, Brother Donnie? We do with all of our hearts. But if we get our heart changed first, it helps us to understand the do's and don'ts. But if you try to do's and do's and don'ts without a changed heart, you're still lost without God. You're still just as hard and you become another Pharisee, a message Pharisee, right? And a message sad, you see, and then you become so sad, you see, you have no happiness in your heart because you're sad, you see. I don't want to be a sad, you see. I want to be happy, you see. I want to be joyful, you see. Nobody understand what I'm saying? Now, because of their ups and downs, you can see why that it will drive many of the sincere people to this extremism to where that they so believe that they had to have a, a physical separation, which they felt like was the only way to be able to ever survive in the world without total contamination. But if they would look at Daniel, they would look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would look at Jeremiah, they would see there was a way, even under the law, that people could live a life. Now remember who Daniel was. Daniel was one of the wise men that was under a heathen king. Daniel was one of the greatest wise men, and yet Daniel did not compromise. Daniel was actually in contact with all of these people, but he never allowed them to contaminate him. But in the long run, who was it that was most affected? The unbelievers by Daniel's association, or was it Daniel most affected by them? Well, I'm questioning what I believe now, and now I'm not sure if I'm even a Hebrew or not. I don't know, maybe I should be a Babylon, maybe I should be, no. But it was the king that said, let there be a decree made that Daniel's God is the almighty God. There you go. That's whenever contact is able to overpower the power of darkness and it does not contaminate the one who's spreading the light. Does that make sense to you, friend? You know, in the age we're living, there is no way in the world you and I is going to be able to rub shoulders with the world every day and be able to be what God wants us to be with the concept of the pharisaical understanding. Well, bless God, I'll tell you one thing. I don't shake hands with none of them people. I ain't having nothing to do with them. I'm a businessman and I'll only deal with message people. You better watch out. You go bankrupt. Some of them's biggest liars you ever dealt with anyway. Well, hallelujah, brother darling. Amen. But yet there is an understanding to where we're able to rub shoulders with the world, be nice to them, be Christians to them, smile at them. They, they're having a bad day. Now they don't know what you know. Let them know a Christian can be a happy person and let them know. But don't let your association with them contaminate you. But let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And the church said, 
Now watch, in the days of Nehemiah and Ezra, as we've looked at, it was, it was a terrible time when the concept of the people of so many of them was that, you know, what can we do? Hey, you know what? The temple's destroyed and it's certainly not looking good for us. And some of them loaded up and headed back. And when they got there, the walls was a mess. The city was a mess. The temple was tore all to pieces. I mean, what are we going to do? How are we going to be able to do it? But yet some of them had a vision of what God was able to do. What, what good does it do to rebuild the house of God if you don't rebuild the house of God? So now they're coming there. They're going to build the wall. They're going to redo the church building, we'll say. And they're going to rebuild the city. But what good does that do if you don't consecrate the people who's going to be a part of it? Now some of them come and they was interested in working and they prayed, of course. And they had a, you know, a mortar thing in one hand and a sword in another and they was working and having all kinds of difficulties and hardships, but they themselves had not been rededicated to the cause they were working for. And by that, many of them had married all kinds of heathen wives and idolatrous things was going on among them, and they were building the house house of God with only a half-surrendered heart. So here this man would be up on the wall working all day, sweating and laboring. Praise God, I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building I'm working on a building for my Lord for my Lord I'm going home to my wife she's from Ashdod I'm going home to my wife praise the Lord praise the Lord are you sure it won't work brother Jay? So what was they doing? They was working on as if though they could build the house of God, as if God was more concerned about the building than the people themselves. Any church, the character of that church is not the brick, the mortar, the sheetrock, the carpet, the paint, the so on, but it is the character of the people that make up the beauty or the display of any church. Notice, let's pick up this thought now in Ezra chapter 9. Now when these things were done, the princes came to me saying, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands. Now look at what they're doing. They're building the house of God. They're working on the walls and they're doing various things. But in their mind, you know, the work of God is not actually personalized in their own life. Well, you know, I mean, I I really understand where you're coming from, Brother Donnie, but you know, for me to give up this and quit that and stop all of that, I, I think you're, you're just a little bit too religious. Well, I, I know I am for some people. I'm very religious for some people. I'm a nut. I'm an addict. I'm addicted to it. I am. I don't have no problem with that. I, I absolutely believe you ought to live for Jesus every day, 24-7, seven days a week. Extra day out of the year on leap here. That gives you one more day to leap on the devil's back and beat the fire out of him. So I believe it ought to be when you go on vacation, you ought to take your Holy Ghost with you. I don't believe you ought to do anything on vacation you don't do when you're not on vacation. I don't believe you ought to drink anything, you ought to wear anything, you ought to do anything, you ought to say anything, you ought to go anywhere, you ought to do any more. That you ought to do seven days out of week. Well, come on, anybody's going to preach with me tonight? You ought to be a Holy Ghost filled saint of God when you're on vacation, when you're on a Disney cruise, and when you're going down your road in the old Cadillac with the cruise button pushed in. Whichever cruise you're on, you ought to be a Christian everywhere you are. 
If you're walking down Washington, D.C., be a child of God. If you're going down Madison Avenue, be a child of God. Come on now. Don't strip your clothes off like a Jezebel because you're 500 miles away from home. Well, nobody won't see me, but Jesus does. Jesus sees you no matter where you are. Come on. We don't want to just dedicate this place here, but we want this place to be dedicated as a house of God. We don't believe in idolatry here, and we don't believe it in here. But notice the people had a mind to work, and they were doing things, but somehow in their mind, they had not incorporated, incorporated rather, or correlated the work of God to themselves as an individual with the sanctification inside their own heart. So they were preaching, as we would say, and they were singing, and they were musicians, and they were writing songs, and this and that and the other, but yet their lives was not matching what they were doing. Anybody going to preach to me now, or y'all just going to sit there and look? at me nod your head now notice who this was that was to blame for this the people of Israel and the priest and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands what a terrible example so the priests and the Levites and the leaders were some of the worst ones that was doing this doing according to their abominations even to the Canaanites the Hittites the Perizzites the Jebusites the Ammonites and the Moabites the Egyptians and the Amorites now listen what they were doing for they have taken of their daughters for themselves and of their sons so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands now it would have been one thing if it was a guy running the garbage route okay it was a street sweeper it was a guy down here the lowest paid guy in all of Israel but it's the priest it is the Levites it's the leaders of the land and these guys are the ones that's supposed to be the religious leaders of the people well hallelujah now notice this so the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands yea the hand of the princes and the rulers have been chief in this trespass of course they're always above the law I wonder if we'd sentence every criminal in the white house if we'd have enough prisons to hold them all Starting at the president on down. Well, praise the Lord. I wonder if we'd stop at that started stop. I wonder how many of our police officers in Elizabethan and Johnson City and detectives, excluding this one here, that we would find breaking the law and drinking and doing this and that and the other. And yet if they catch you doing the same thing that they do, you get in trouble, but they can do it and it's okay. Preach, Brother Donnie. Uh Uh-huh. Well, what difference does it make? There is no difference according to the law of God. Justice, remember, one of the symbols of our nation is that we have the lady justice standing there with the scales in her hand. And when she has them there, they are perfectly balanced. And she has this wand over her eyes because justice is supposed to be blind. But we know that is not true. Because justice always has the ability to be bought. Amen. But yet, for those who are true and those who are genuine, their justice, their equality is not for sale. But we see right here the same concept has existed for thousands of years. So these men felt like they were above the law. The law told them what to do. But hey, you know what? You don't tell me what to do. 
So notice here now in verse 3 what had happened. So it was the priests, the Levites, the rulers. And when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and set astonished. Now here Ezra is so tore up that he cannot believe that the spiritual leaders of the land, God has given them grace. They have been in captivity for all of these years and the mercy of God has smiled upon them and brought them back. And here's one of the first large bands under the administration of Ezra by which they're going to start and God has given them grace. And even as recipients of grace, they still don't understand it. They still don't catch it. They don't see the power of grace and already the abusers of grace has moved in among them oh my notice in verse 10 and now oh our oh our god listen how he prays what shall we say after this for we have forsaken thy commandments which thou hast commanded by thy servants the prophets saying the land into which you go to possess it is an unclean land with the filthiness of the people of the lands with their abominations which have filled it from one end to the another with their uncleanness Now therefore give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters unto your sons, nor seek their peace or their wealth forever that you may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. Again we find God saying the power of marriage. If you will give your sons to their daughters or if you will take their daughters to your sons, it will have an inroad to your faith. Remember, God considered these people his enemies and God wanted to kill them and God did so. But how can God kill an Amorite if that Amorite is married to an Israelite daughter? Or how can God kill a Hittite woman when a, daughter, a son of Israel has now married God's enemy without touching God's son? Can't you see it was a trick of the devil? Can't you see what Satan done in order to give the Hittites, uh, oh my, an escape route out in order to protect them? So now they're being protected by the very God that said he would destroy them. Oh my goodness. Notice Ezra chapter 10 verse 10. And Ezra the priest stood up and said unto them, Ye have transgressed. Ye have taken strange wives to increase the trespass of Israel. Now therefore make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers and do his pleasure and separate yourselves from the people of the land. You mean this hard-hearted, uncaring priest is asking these men to leave their wives? Praise the Lord. Now, friends, I, I, hey, I've been around for a long time, and I've realized a long time ago, folks said they love God, they love God, they love God, until they find out the way God is. And the more they find out the way God is, the more they realize they really don't love God. But a person who really loves God, the more they find out about God, the more they love God, because the love they have for God is the real God. 
And he's not a fictitious God because God is a God of truth. And the more they find out about his nature and his character, then they say, well, that's the reason I love him because he's so awesome. And because he's give me a dip of himself enabling me to love him because really in reality, every one of us here tonight, according to our flesh, really shouldn't love God because God's way is different than ours. God's way is so strenuous. It can be so difficult. Is that right? But yet really in spite of all of that, the true elect of God love him more than anything else in this world which is a miracle beyond human comprehension because in our reality our flesh should despise his way his word his mannerism his requirements his standard his separation and there's something wrong with us sure as the world because we love him with all of our heart our soul our mind our strength listen friends a real seed of God would change absolutely nothing Nothing about God. Now that's not so with the modern Christianity. Most Christians change God. That's what they're doing. They're changing God. And they're making a God of their own making. Come on now. But that God ain't going to be the one to judge them, Brother Frank. They'll stand before the true and the living God. But the elect of God would change absolutely nothing about Him. That ought to tell you where you are tonight. Look at yourself real good and see if you find yourself arguing with God, arguing with God's mentality, God's personality, God's makeup. You struggle with God, this and that and the other. You better get that thing off of you. Well, praise the Lord. Say, Lord, help me to just fall in love with you the way you are. God, I don't want to water you down. I don't want to change you. There ain't one thing about you I'd change, God. I wouldn't change your mannerism. I wouldn't change your love of eternal security, predestination, foreknowledge. I wouldn't change one thing about my God. I wouldn't change nothing about him because he's absolutely perfect. If anybody needs to be changed, it's me. It's you. It's you. It's you. It ain't him. Oh my. Notice he said, separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the strange wives. Then all the congregation answered and said with a loud voice, as thou hast said, so must we do. But I wonder how many of them after they said that did what they amened. Now basically, brother Sam, they're amen. That's right. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. But did they do it when they walked outside them doors? A lot of folks say, oh, I know I need to do better. I know, I know, I know, I know. That knowledge will damn your soul one day. It's not knowing. Knowing don't change you. Knowing scriptures, knowing quotes, knowing this and that and the other. It's that turning into a real born again intimate experience with God. To the Jews, the word knowing, when Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. To that word, to them, is not the Greek concept of just knowledge. But knowing enters into a different level with the true Jew. It is understanding and knowing about God in a more intimate way. It's not just knowledge. It's not just your head. It's not memorization. It's not, well, I know this and I know that. It's knowing Him from your soul. 
I've met some pretty ignorant people around the message as far as really knowing a lot of scripture and knowing a lot of quotes, but they knew more than a lot of folks who thought they knew more than what them folks knew. Because them folks was Greeks and them others was real genuine Hebrews because they knew the God there. Talk to me, ask you something. Do you think that woman standing down there at that little fence that day when Elijah come down with his hat, oh hallelujah, and he come down walking through there, I'm one of them, I'm so glad I'm one of them, and that little black angel man was saying, now good morning, parson. He said, how did you know that I was a parson? Oh, I know the Lord done since you down here. I've been waiting since daylight. Oh my, you remember the story, don't you? Whenever they got inside the house and I said, Auntie, won't you pray first? He said, friends, I knew she had talked to him before. I'm Brother Branham. Do you know me? No, sir, Parson, never heard of you. Oh, Lord, have mercy. How is that possible to get a hold of God and never heard of Brother Branham? Come on, saints. Now, don't get mad at me. It wasn't important that she knew Brother Branham. She knew Jesus. Well, praise God. She didn't know Brother Branham. She didn't know Brother Branham's meeting, but she knew the Lord, and the Lord had such a hold on that weather. He grounded that plane and sent the prophet of God right down there those streets to be able to pray for her son. Why? Because she knew who she knew. And she knew she had a claim. I've been waiting for you, Lord. I like that Shulamite, but where's your Elijah? Ooh. You can imagine these people now as they're going through this phase. After they come out of here, they go to the extremism and they believe. Well, look at our forefathers. Look what Solomon done. Look what they done in the reign of Nehemiah. Look what they done in the reign of all these others. Best thing for us to do is just holy this and holy that. And we've got to make our creed and our laws. This is the way it is. And it led to the kind of hypocrisy that the Lord Jesus dealt with. May I say to you tonight, friends, the Lord Jesus does not want that with our do's and don'ts. Well, praise the Lord. You see, real true separation means safety. Right? So, would you want to walk into a house where there's 40 or 50 people there? Eight of them have typhoid fever. Ten of them have measles. Six of them have chicken pox. The others have the flu, coughs, cold, distemper, and this and that and the other. And you're going to tell me that you would have no problem walking in there. And you're going to hug them on, and you're going to grab them around the neck, and you're not going to use alcohol-based cleaner on your hands once you leave. Why, 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 why are we so concerned about germs on our hands? And germs get in our souls. And we get mad at the preacher for trying to help us get washed. in cleanliness who do you figure about them hand wash things out there you're looking at him who do you figure one of them out there in the front over in the fellowship hall who do you figure one of them there me 
common sense. Praise the Lord. Are y'all glad I did it? Or why would you get mad at me when I stand right here and have one distribution found and spray this good washing of the water of the word all over you? Trying to cleanse you from arrogance and pride and stubbornness and hard-headed. And you stand out saying, boy, I really like this alcohol thing. Man, alive, praise God. I love this stuff. Hallelujah. And you stand up and roll that bottom lip out when me and some other man gets on your toes real good. My, somebody ought to stand up tonight and say, praise God. Wash me, Lord Jesus, with the water of the word. Wash me from unbelief. Wash me from fear. Wash me from bondage, Lord. Cleanse me deny Lord Jesus Mm. praise the Lord now remember God called Abraham to be a separate man is that right you believe he was he was a separate man but yet he had allies that were not Hebrews. So he had contact without contamination. Now remember, I'm not telling you to partake of anything of the world, anything that's wrong, anything that's sinful. But it was the gospel that was introduced in this way. Go you therefore into all the world and preach. How are you going to do that if you don't go out there and you're going to run across some characters, I'm telling you. Notice, so Abraham had all these heathens around him. Now remember, he never come into full possession himself. But Abraham actually had to have a confederacy, if you will, with some of his allies, neighbors that was around him because he was not strong enough to be able to fight off his enemies on his own. So he was able to have a bond of friendship, but it was a friendship which was only limited to a certain degree. He could only go so far. He didn't talk like them, act like them, worship like them because they were Canaanites. They remained Canaanites. But every now and then he needed their friendship. Oh, y'all want scripture? Ah, how did I know that? Genesis chapter 14, verse 12. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods, and departed. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew. Abram the Hebrew. Amen. Notice now, so here we have this man being called by this name, the first man in the Bible, being called a Hebrew. Abram, and it was under his old name. Abram the Hebrew. So there was not many of them, there was one. So here's Abram the Hebrew. But Abram the Hebrew's got a big battle going fixing to take place and he needs help. But there ain't no more Hebrews. For he dwelt in the plain of... Oh. Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eschol, and brother of Aner. And these were... Why? Because Abraham had an understanding. If you really know who you are and you keep yourself, contact does not have to contaminate. 
As a matter of fact, it might be your contact that'll save some of these poor wretched people out here. But remember, if they're affecting you, then they're overpowering you. Your salt's watered down, become more like sugar. You see, we're in a sugary Laodicean age. Because most Laodicean churches don't pass out salt, they pass out sugar. Syrup, molasses, snow cones, ice cream, sugar doodles. They pass out everything with sugar because that's their conception of love. But Jesus never said about sugar. Jesus mentioned that you was like salt, not sugar. Praise the Lord. So salt is what contacts. Notice this. So here is Abram, the Hebrew, being confederate with these guys. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. So here then we find Abram has confederacy with these men that are Amorites and they are around him, but yet did Abraham worship like them? No. Did Abraham talk like them? No. Did Abraham rely upon their gods and pray to their gods? Absolutely not. But they were a help to Abram and no doubt in times Abram was a help to them. Did they ever get saved? No scriptural record or historical record that they ever converted to become a Hebrew. But God must have put them in or near Abram's life in order to help him through the hardships of life. Y'all follow me? So what was it? Abram was among them and Abram was able to testify of the living God but never allowed them to contaminate him. They never turned him into an idolater. He never lost his testimony. Praise God. There you go, friend. That's a real believer. You believe Jesus was the right example? Matthew chapter 9, verse 10, and it came to pass as Jesus said it, meet in the house. Behold, many preachers and deacons and trustees and songwriters and Sunday school teachers. Actually, that's what it was, publicans and sinners, you know. <laughs> many publicans and sinners came and Sat down with him and his disciples. I want you to notice who notices this. And when the Pharisees. Now remember all of the disciples were Pharisees. So you imagine how it rubbed them brother Joe. As they saw their master. All these evil people coming in and they were touching him and handling him, which that priest would never allow you to touch him. He's a touch me not. Don't even breathe on me. Don't get around me. And all these people was just touching Jesus. And they'd bring their little young ones over to Jesus for him to lay his hands on them. The Pharisees. When they saw it, they said unto his disciples, isn't it amazing the Pharisees went to the Pharisees? Wonder why they didn't come to him. So he wasn't a Pharisee. Long-tongue gossipers generally go to other long-tongue gossipers in the church. It might surprise you to hear and understand that I hear very little gossip that goes on in this church. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's a good sign. I'm not a long-tongue gossiper. 
So if you hear it all, you might ought to change your identity. Well, praise God. I don't mind telling you, friends, I've never seen the city landfill truck ever empty a garbage full of truck at the city parks. Have you? Have you ever seen the city landfill truck ever come up to a Walmart parking lot and just dump every bit of that refuse and that stink and all that stuff right down in the middle of the parking lot? Have you ever seen that? Really? Y'all haven't seen that? Have you ever seen one out here dumped in our church parking lot? Well, why? I mean, isn't that a good play? It don't fit. So if people all the time dumping on you and dumping on you and dumping on you, maybe you got the wrong sign up. Maybe they're reading landfill. What you should do is mark it out and put Holy Ghost fill. I'm no longer a landfill for your garbage and your mess. And the so-and-so said so-and-so. Don't come to me with that garbage. I'm a city park. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm a fitting place for the Holy Ghost, not a bunch of garbage. So the Pharisees come to the message Pharisees. Because the disciples now, they're, they're believing the message, but they're still Pharisees. So when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? You remember Jesus' answer to this, don't you? It's not those that are well that need the physician, but those that are sick. If we're not careful, sometimes we forget we also once was sick in sin, wretched, lost, vile. Notice in Matthew chapter 11, verse 18, for John came neither eating or drinking. And they say, he asked the devil, the Son of Man, this is the Lord Jesus talking about himself, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, behold a gluttonous and a wine-bearer. Well, you know what I found out reading that scripture? It don't matter what you do, they are going to say one thing or the other. And they are going to go to hell, sure as the world. So no matter what you do, you'll never please this type of vase. But I'm going to please they up there, don't you? The heavenly host. Notice so they said about the Lord Jesus, Behold a gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. Oh, but I love these wise words. But wisdom is justified of her children. So, friends, where would this reputation have come from? They would have never called Kephas this. They would have never called Annas this. He would never be around them low-down sinners. But Jesus' reputation was made among such. But remember, it was contact without contamination. Well, Brother Donnie, I'm going to go out in the college and I'm going to go over here to the bars and I'm going to start witnessing. <laughs> right. We see how that turns out for some. Well, praise the Lord. Some folks are so weak, they ain't got enough strength in their own Christianity to get out of the bathroom in their house. 
They don't need to be going out witnessing. They need to meet God. Well, praise the Lord. You can't, you, you can't give a very good witness yourself if you go to talk them out and they talk you into doing what they're doing. Woo. Brother Don, you mean the Lord Jesus was around them people and, and hung around them and, and, and stuff like that? Stuff like that. Stuff like this. Well, I, how in the world did it, what, what did, didn't it hurt him? Not at all. He was still undefiled, harmless, sinless. What scripture for it? Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26. For such an high priest became us. <laughs> for such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled. Read the next three words. Say it with me. Separate from But I just read to you that one of the accusations that was made against him was that he hung around sinners. Praise God. He contacted friends, but he was not contaminated. For such a high priest became us who is holy. This is what God wants to say about us. That we're holy that we are harmless, that we're undefiled, separate from sinners, and we don't all buy, you know, some acres up somewhere on Rome Mountain, and we have our own little message grocery store, and we have our own little message car lot, and we have our own little message uh, power board, and we have our own little message sewer place, and our own little message water place, and we have our own little message community, and they said, we're separate from sinners. I'll tell you one thing, if we had such a community, there'd be sinners among us. I'm sure there was in the book of Acts. They would. That, that's not God's answer. It's not us pulling off in some little place like that somewhere. It's us being so filled with the Holy Ghost that we can be out there rubbing shoulders with the world and they are full of harm, but we're harmless. They are full of filth, but we are free from it. Amen. They are full of darkness, but we are of light. Who is holy. Harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. Look at the word undefiled. Not defiled, unsold. Free from that by which the nature of a thing is deformed and debased. Or its force and vigor impaired. So Jesus didn't have to stay home and marry. Oh, mama, mama. Mama, I, I need to go out. But, oh, stand your son, stand here. You got to be holy. You got to be the holy son of God to die on the cross. Don't you get out there. Okay, mama. Okay, mama. But he got right among them. Walked right among them and saved those that were savable. <laughs> Heal those that were healable. Deliver those that were deliverable. Why? 
because his contact did not allow contamination. Praise God. Ain't that the type of believers we want to be? Oh, we're different from the world, friends. Yes, but God does not want us to be odd. God wants us to be his people. He wants our oddity, if you want to say it that way, to be a declaration of the word, not us. You know what I'm saying? You've been around folks in the message and they were so odd and they acted odd and they dressed odd and they were just odd about them and they felt like by doing that, they were the bride because they were odd. You know what? Whenever you are different by divine separation, it will actually cause people to draw towards you. But when you're odd by your own making, it will repel people from you. Oh, I never have to worry about nobody coming around me. Well, I reckon not. Even the cockroaches won't. Because you're making yourself so odd and so different. A mouse don't want to get around you. A rattlesnake will turn and run from you. But we want to be divinely separated by the presence of God. Hallelujah. Oh my, what was it about the Lord Jesus? He was so different. Never a man spake like this man. And yet he drew people with a magnetism that their filth and their wretchedness and their darkness couldn't keep them away from him. How many wants to be that? Oh, blessed Lord Jesus. You imagine all the Pharisees walking around in their great big garments and their holy this and that and the other and the sinners wouldn't want to be around them. The sinners could never, if they had trouble and heartache and difficulty, they didn't feel like they could unload on Jesus. But the prostitutes, the liars, the whoremongers, whatever they were, Brother West, there was such a magnetism about him. Oh, didn't he think he'd become defiled when a prostitute comes down and goes to weeping and touching Remember what Simon thought in his heart? If this man was a prophet, he'd know what manner of woman this was. Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. Say on, Master. By the time he gets done with him, boy, he understands a little bit more about the mission of the Lord Jesus. And he turns to the woman and says, Her sins, which are many, but she is delivered. Hallelujah. Why? Because his contact upon her, it did not contaminate him. It set her free. Blessed be the Lord God. Hallelujah. Let's stand up. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my children, don't you want to, don't you just want to be so much? Let me give you just a little preview now. First Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. I wrote unto you in an epistle. Not to company with fornicators. Yet, not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters. For then must ye needs to go out of the world. So Paul writes to them, and he tells them, Now don't, don't be around with fornicators, extortioners, and all this stuff. So then the word gets back to Paul. Paul, they, they thought you meant they weren't supposed to go to the market. They weren't supposed to go nowhere as long as there's any fornicators or anybody there. Don't, don't even get around them. Paul said, that wasn't what I said. Amen. Notice what he says here. 
He says, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world. I wasn't telling y'all not to go to Walmart and, you know, and shop and to be able to do this, that, and other. What I was meaning was, notice him in verse 11. But now have I written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother. You understand if you make up in your mind, I'll never be around another fornicator or another liar. That means you'll never go to Walmart. You'll never go to another restaurant. Praise the Lord. I hope you understand this. I'm I'm just going to put it out there and just leave you hanging. Paul was telling them, there's no way that you can be able to live in this world and be able to sever yourself from all fornicators, all liars, so on and so on, outside here. But Paul said, what I was wanting you to know is, don't have anything to do with the fornicator that's in your own ranks. Whoa. So Paul said, yeah, I've got this thing backwards. So instead of you pulling away from the world, that's what they are. They're hogs. They're dogs. But don't have nothing to do with a man that professes to be a believer and living like a hog or a dog. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I was going over to a Thanksgiving supper, but I hear so-and-so was there, that sorry, low-down sinner. They're not living right. The Bible says separate yourself. That Bible ain't talking about that person. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Y'all need to spend more time in God's Facebook instead of on your own. But now I've written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one know not to eat. Why? This man professes to be a believer. This man professes to be a, a brother. Have you got a, well, you know, you're, you're buying cars from a guy and say, hey, you want to go out for lunch? And well, you said, no, man, that guy's a sinner. I've seen you eating lunch with a sinner. He'll say, Lord, have mercy. What happened to your testimony? Oh, it splashed a little salt on the old boy. <laughs> Friends, we've got this thing all wrong. We've got this thing around. Can't you see it's Satan that's done this to us? To isolate us where our light will not shine. Paul said, no, no. But if there's one among you who claims to be a saint, claims to be a believer, and they're living this kind of a life, have nothing to do with them. Don't even eat with them. And what do we tend to do many times? We tend to eat with them kind and have nothing to do with them out there. We're backwards. We're still 2,000 years backwards in the scriptural application. Goodness, goodness, goodness. Well, I believe it myself. We'll pick this up again Wednesday night because I can see some of you don't like it. If it's a double dose, sometimes it's a little better. 
For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not you judge them which are within, but them that are without God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Why? You're on a higher order. You're on a higher order. With a brother that's supposed to be a believer and doing all these sorts of things, it's not even the same thing. But Brother Donnie, it's the same sin, not the way God looks at it. Praise God. Mm. Ain't that good? Let's bow our heads together. Praise the Lord. Lord Jesus, I'm sure we haven't always had this right. I'm sure that we've misapplied things. For the most part, Lord, it's out of ignorance. It's not because we've tried to. Forgive us. No doubt there's times that you actually wanted us to be able to share our light with some out in darkness, but our perception of separation kept us from giving our light. And we wasted hours and hours on fornicators, liars, every kind of other thing in our own ranks and give them all kinds of time whenever they know better and you look at them in such a harsh way. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. But there's one thing about your children. When we see that we have been wrong, we accept correction. So help us, Father. Help us, Lord God, to be able to witness Lord, we're in the closing hours, we believe that, of the world's history. We know that everybody we meet is not bright. Everybody we meet, we're not going to be able to bring them to the light. But help us to be able to do what we can to help others. Lord, if it's no more than speak a kind word to let them know that you're alive. Praise God. And help us to know where to draw the line, Lord, the boundaries. Help us to be able to leave here tonight with this concept. I know I've said it over and over again. Help us to be able to leave with this understanding, Father, that it's contact without contamination. Then if we feel ourselves being weakened by those that we are contacting, that it's time to pull away from that contact, strengthen ourselves, and not go back again until we are stronger. That's one way we can judge. For Lord, we know if they are overcoming us and overwhelming us, there's something wrong. Because you do not want your salty children to be overcome by the stench of this world. But Father, you desire us to go out as the salt of the earth. But where, where, where is the salt if it has lost its savor? What good is it to be salted if there's no strength there to it? So help us, Father, to be salty. Lord, every day of our lives, we rub shoulders with the world. And I have to less than the majority of these people. I know that. But I do. And Lord, I always, no matter where I'm at, no matter where I'm at, I want my light to so shine. It amazes me, Lord. I go into different parts of the stores. Lord, I, I walk into there the other day, Father, and someone saying, Hello, Brother Donnie. I didn't even know who the person was. Walked in another store the other day. Well, hello, Brother Reagan. How are you? It makes me to realize, Father, that everywhere we go, 
There's something, Lord God, you want us to have our Christianity on display. Not just in church, but every place we go, every hour of the day. And help us, Father, as we are the last ones left of the Gentile church ages. I believe the last ones are on the earth tonight. Lord God, may we be able to contact. There may be a lost soul or two or three, a boy or girl, that we might be able to lead to the Lord Jesus. They may not be the bride. They may not be in the rapture. But Father, if we could lead them to you, even if we could pray for them, for them to get healed, just a little something to bring a little bit of comfort in this life. That's the way you did. You didn't just heal your disciples only. You didn't just heal those that was elect only. But you healed those that believed because you loved humanity. Brother Branham prayed for Sikhs, Jains, Buddhists, Muslim. He said he never asked what faith they were. But he prayed for them because he loved humanity. Help us, Father, that we can love humanity that same way. That if people are Baptist, Methodist, Church of God, make no difference what name they go by, but if they ask us for prayer, we can pray for them as sincerely as we would one of our own children. Then we're getting like you, Lord. Then we're getting like the spirit the prophet had on him, which is the Holy Ghost. Help us, blessed God. Oh, Jesus, make us salty, Lord. Make us salty. Hallelujah, Father. Praise your holy name, Lord Jesus. Don't you want to just be baptized, just immersed into the saltiness of his presence? How many Christians here tonight want to be salty? You want your light to shine. Sisters, not just your clothes. Oh, sure, that'll stick out mainly for the sisters, of course. And they'll see the length of your dress and the length of your hair and all of that and ask where you go to church. But we want it to be more than that. We want it to be your spirit that so permeates the presence of Christ. You may not lead them to the message, but maybe you can say a kind word, an uplifting word, just something that would help them to be able to encourage them in life. Oh, praise God. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Heavenly Father. We love you tonight, Lord. We worship you with all of our hearts. We magnify your name, Lord God. Make me more salty, Lord Jesus. Help me, I pray, Father, when I rub shoulders with the world. Oh, Lamb of God, help me no matter where I'm at, from state to state. Lord, it's happened to me so many times in different places of the world. Lord, they don't have time for me tonight to even tell about them all. But Lord, it's nothing good about me. It's nothing good about them. If there's anything that folks would recognize, it would be you, Lord Jesus. Help us, I pray, Father, that we can be salty. Blessed Lord God, that our lights can so shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. It's not about people lifting us up. It's not about people thinking we're something. It's about our Father being exalted and glorified and worshipped. Oh, we bless your name tonight, Lord Jesus. How can salt brag? Oh, God, as Carol and I stood with the believers, Lord, last year and standing there near the salt sea and even in that entire area and salt just laying everywhere in big chunks that was almost a clear peace look of 
stone almost absolutely everywhere. That salt never made itself. That salt did not derive its chemical composition. But it come from the Creator. It could have been made soapstone. It could have been made granite. It could have been made sandstone or sulfur or whatever more. Bromine. It could have been made a lot of different things. But the Creator designated it to be salt. Oh God, you by your grace, if we are salty tonight, it is you who has made us salty. But help us, Lord, to let our light so shine. Let our Christianity move out of our pew. Let our Christianity move out of our four walls of our home. Let it move into our job. Let it move into our college dorm. Let it move into wherever we are, Lord God. Oh, Lord Jesus, no doubt we've failed you in so many ways, but I wonder if on earth this is one of the greatest failures that we've had is refusing to let our light so shine because we are so afraid. We are so afraid we'll get our hands dirty. We're so afraid. What if I talk to that person? What if so-and-so sees me? What if this and that? And we're so afraid that we'll become defiled. Thank you for not having that idea. Thank you, Lord Jesus, when that woman come to you that day and she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. If she would have done that to the high priest, she would have been striped. She would have been a candidate to have been scourged and beat with all kinds of things. But yet she knew there's something different about Jesus and the high priest. And when Jesus turned about, who touched me? Who touched me? Peter said, they're touching you everywhere. He said, yes, but I felt a different touch. Then came the woman and told him the story. Hallelujah. You did not rebuke her. Shame on you, woman, for touching me, you vile woman. According to the law, now you have made me unclean. But he said, your faith has made you whole. Praise be to God. Her touch did not defile you, but it made her well. Praise God. We love you, Lord Jesus. Help us, Father. We worship you tonight. How many of you Christians like me tonight want to be a salty child of God? A beaming light of God's mercy. You sisters, your friends that you have, your brothers, people you work with, let them see Jesus. Oh, Brother Don, I, I try to tell everybody about Brother Branham. That's well and good. But don't tell them about Brother Branham first. Tell them about the Lord Jesus. We don't want to lead them to Brother Branham before we get them saved. We want to get them saved and then see if there's anything there that can be led to the message of the hour. Come on, saints. Let's lead them to the Lord Jesus. Amen. Let them meet him. Let's see how far he'll lead them. Then we'll see about the seals and the church ages and, and all of that. We'll go from there. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, praise be to God. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we worship you tonight, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Let's just raise our hands, can we? In the presence of the King. Oh, Jesus, we love you, Father. With all of our hearts, thank you for your kindness and your mercy, Lord. Thank you for loving us even in our ignorance. Thank you for loving us, Lord, even sometimes when we get kind of puffed up within ourselves and think we're something. You have to kind of strip us back a little bit, Lord, and let us know we're nothing. Oh, thank you, dear God. We love that about you. Oh, Father, that that's real love. 
Real love is corrective and real love has sometimes hard disciplinary action. Real love is not the soft Laodicean perception of love that lets you get by with everything, but real love is tough. Real love is difficult sometimes and it makes us do things and calls us out and shames us, makes us feel a little bad, but that's real love, Father. Thank you for loving us tonight, Lord Jesus. Oh, a lot of these folks maybe here tonight, they felt a whip. That's all they felt. I felt the stroke from a loving father. Amen. It wasn't a whip what I noticed. It was not somebody beating me and me crying out. What I noticed was the lashes of love. It was lashes of correction helping me to understand more clearly what I'm here for. I thank you for tonight, Father. I'm going to leave this place tonight with joy bubbling in my heart to know that my Heavenly Father has spoken to me once again and He wants to be a little bit more salty, a little bit more like Him. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Heavenly Father. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. Make us more like you. Make us more like you, Lord. Oh, I don't want to walk in the hospitals and empty them, Father. Oh, being like you is not just laying our hands on the sick. Being like you is not just speaking the word and faith and people getting well. But it's able to know how to love. It's able to know how to be sharp when necessary. Know how to be cutting and firm, yet without compromise. And always with that touch of deep down love. Praise God, make me like you, Lord Jesus. Make me like you, Father. Oh, praise God. Oh, make me more like Jesus made me more like What do you want? Signs, wonders, miracles? Give me a heart that's filled with love and made. Yes, Lord. Amen. Everybody now with all your heart, praise God. Let's sing it. Oh, make me more like Thee. Jesus, make me more like Thee. Your love and name. 
It's been good to be at the whipping post tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Service this weekend, Lord willing. Come back expecting the Lord to meet with us again. I got some special guests, as in plural, that's going to be with us Saturday and Sunday. You want to know who they are? I'm not going to tell you. I'll give you a clue. They're humans. Does that help you? Okay. All right. Good. So, so we're all on the same page then, right? Amen. You'll enjoy it. We'll be blessed. Amen. Ain't it good to be a Christian? God bless you, saints. Love you so much. Come expecting the Lord to speak to us again today with us. Uh, several families in our church out, out traveling, I think about 20-something out in uh, Alaska doing a cruise and some going here and there and there. Some of our young people... Uh, next week will be leaving for a tour over in Europe, so we want to keep all these in prayer. God will just be with them, give, a, give them a nice, relaxing, enjoyable time, and bring them back home safely. Amen. Amen. Brother West, would you come and dismiss this brother in prayer? You love the Lord? Amen. Love you back. Let's bow our heads. Lord, one, one thing, one thing that draws us so close, no matter whether you're correcting or, or whether you're giving us a soft hand of love, Lord, and either, either way, we know no matter what form you come in, it's perfect love. Lord, the thing about the Pharisees and the sinners is you loved them all. 
He loved each and every one of them the same. It's just what was inside of them is what called for what they got from you. Lord Jesus, help us to see this world through the eyes that you saw it through. Help us to love our neighbor. Help us to speak to them as we would our own sons and daughters, our own mothers and fathers, our own friends. Help us to have that kind of love that's the same no matter what, no matter how we're treated, no matter how we're looked at, no matter what they think of us. Help us to love them. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for coming to us, Lord, and speaking to our hearts. Thank you for the revelation, Lord, of who you are. Lord, keep us safe until we can come together again in your name. Help us to be mindful and let these words take root in our heart, Lord, and not just run off our back like water off of a duck, but help it to sink in, Lord. Help it to change who we are into your image. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, saints. I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building for my Lord, for my Lord. It's a Holy Ghost building. It's a Holy Ghost building. It's a Holy Ghost building for my Lord, for my Lord. If I were a sinner, I'd tell you what I'd do. I'd quit my sinning and work on the building too. I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building for my Lord, for my Lord. It's a Holy Ghost building. It's a Holy Ghost building. It's a Holy Ghost building for my Lord, for my Lord. If I were a preacher, I'd tell you what.